We're right there in the middle of a series called SOS, Secrets of Success, and we're looking to God's Word for His principles to help us in areas of our life, our marriage, our kids, and even our finances. We're going to be looking at these major areas. We want to be successful in them. Our series text is Joshua 1, 8, and it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Speaking God's word, you know, letting it come out of our mouths. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And we want to be prosperous and successful, amen? And Jesus said we can have an abundant life in him. And this is, we want that in every area. So today, last week it was, excuse me, last week it was about how to have godly marriages I encourage you to go back and uh, watch that. Today we're talking about kids. Proverbs 22, 6 promises us that if we train up a child in the way he should go, and, he will, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So now, before you tune this message out, you say, well, Pastor, I don't have kids. I've already raised my kids. These principles apply to your grandchildren these principles apply to kids that are looking up to you, whether you know they are or not. We all have someone looking to us, someone that we influence. So be sure, every one of us, let's take some good notes and let's apply these things to our life. Hey, before we're seated, would you welcome everybody watching online? Hey, we're so glad you're tuned in and we miss you. We can't wait to see you again. And as you're seated, wave to somebody across the aisle and let them know good to see them too. <laughs> and you can be seated. Kids are a great blessing from the Lord. And I believe other than our salvation, I believe having a child is one of the greatest miracles that the Lord allows us to play a role in. The children bring so much joy to our life. Kids say some funny things, some funny advice from kids. I have about seven. First, well, kids said this, never trust a dog to watch your food. Another one said, never smart off to a teacher whose eyes and ears are twitching. <laughs> never try to hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Never be too full for dessert. I mean, we, we live by that one, don't we? We say that. When your dad is mad and he asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer. <laughs> Don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> and this last one, this kid said, never try to baptize a cat. <laughs> and as much joy as having children can bring, they can be a source of great heartache. What do I mean by that? I've seen many Christian moms and dads grieve over wayward children. Children that are not living for God. Raising godly children must be our priority and we must be intentional about it. God expects us as godly parents to be intentional on raising our children in the fear and worship of the Lord. And we have a great privilege to be able to do so. 
Your children, they have a real enemy that wants to destroy them and destroy you in the process. You have plans for your children. You want to see them to grow up and to be successful adults. And God has plans for your children. He wants them to, to grow up and be successful in him, a mature disciple. But please hear me. Satan also has plans for your kids, your grandkids, the other little kids that, are, that you influence. He has a plan for them also. And he wants to destroy their lives. He wants them to grow up to be rebellious and wicked and far from God. Pastor, you're getting heavy real fast. Yes, I am. We have a unique opportunity to influence them for God, but we must understand that there is an enemy that wants to destroy them. I've quoted this verse many times to young people and even over my own. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's for every one of us, that God has these plans for us. And he has these plans for your kids. He wants them to grow up with hope. He's got a great future ahead of them. But you see also, Satan has a version. He has a translation of this verse himself. And it goes something like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the devil. Plans to destroy you and to harm you. Plans to give you no hope and no future. That's the, it's for every one of us here. And it's for every one of our kids and the kids that we influence. As a godly parent, we have a great privilege and a great responsibility to influence, to impact our kids for Jesus. You know, the church has only a couple hours a week to influence your kids. <clears throat> While I go during praise and worship, I walk back to one of our classes, the older group, and there are five kids in that class. <clears throat> and normally that class has quite a few more, <clears throat> but there are five of your kids in that class. There were four adults ministering to your kids, jumping around, praising worship, showing them how to worship Jesus. There were four adults to five kids. It blessed my heart. We have about two hours that we can pour into your kids and, and do our best to be a, an example to them, to teach them to worship God and, and speak life over them. But you, as a parent, as a grandparent, as an influencer, you have the other 166 hours of the week to make an impact in their life. Our key text is a promise that if we train up a child in the way they should go, that the Lord, will, I believe, will do everything he can do to make sure they stay in the right path. Now, can the Lord make them serve him? No. But he sure can make it hard for them not to. There's a 
uh, a text that I usually use with baby dedications. It, it blesses my heart when I think about kids and influencing kids. And it's found in Luke 18. Let me read a couple of these verses to you. It says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Wouldn't that be an amazing honor as a parent to be able to bring your child to the Messiah and see him pray for your kids? Can you imagine? I just happen to think, what, what, what do those kids turn out to be? They have the blessing of Jesus himself praying. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. They told the parents, hey, quit doing that. We, we don't have time for that. We have big, bigger things to do. Don't, don't be bringing those kids. And look at what Jesus said. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. There's a couple of phrases that we really need to focus on that jump out. The first one is this. Jesus called the children to him. It's a wonderful realization that Jesus loves your children. The old song is true, the children's song that says, Jesus loves the little children of the world. He does. He loves your kids. And he is calling them to himself. Isn't, isn't that so encouraging that Jesus himself is calling your children? to? He starts at an early age. I was saved at eight years old. He called me to himself. He wants me to have a relationship. Your kids, they can have a relationship with the Lord and it's genuine and it's true. It, is, it can be a relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, Jesus hears them prayers. You hear, you hear him having a good time back there right now? <laughs> Calling them to himself. So if you're taking notes, one of the greatest comforts you can have as a parent is to know that Jesus is calling your child to him, but a sober realization is that God wants to use you to do it. God plans on using you to bring your child to him. I uh, raised a Nick, of course, he, he, is, he is grown and gone, and me and Patty are just miserable. And I'll tell you, I don't know when it gets to be a little easier. Every time I see him and he leaves, it's like ripping the, the, the scab off. And, uh, but, but Nick, being a, a pastor's kid, he grew up in messages, and he grew up in church, and, and, um, I, and you know, he grew up knowing about the Lord and, and our home. But I wanted to be the one to lead him to the Lord. I wanted to be the one to say that prayer. And all the messages and the services that he heard, I mean, it would have been really okay if he were, the main thing is he responds to the Lord. But I was just like, Lord, if I could, I'd like to be the one to lead my son to you. And I'll never forget, he was about five years old. We were at Arby's, and I don't even know how the conversation started. But he came to the realization that he was a sinner and he needed a savior. And sitting over some curly fries with some ketchup, we said the sinner's prayer. 
and I could take you to the booth where I led him to Jesus. And God wants to use you to have that kind of influence over your kids, over your grandkids, over someone else's kid that is looking to you as a godly example. Jesus said, let them come to me. And he's drawing them. Another phrase of that verse, of those verses, Jesus said, let them come to me, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. Now, to hinder is to create difficulties for someone. And if I ask any parent in this room if they wanted to make it difficult for their children to live for God, if they wanted to make it difficult for their children to go to heaven, their grandchildren, those that they could influence, if they wanted to make it difficult for them to go to heaven instead of hell, I believe nobody in this room would say, yes, I want to hinder them. I believe every one of us would say, yeah, but I want to help. I want to do what I can. And the example that we set for our children will either hinder them or help them live for Jesus. You may say, well, Pastor, wait a minute. I ain't no preacher and all that, and I ain't perfect. I, well, I'm a preacher, but I ain't perfect. And God expects every one of us that say we are a disciple of Christ, that we are a follower of Jesus. He expects every one of us to influence other people around us and, yes, our own kids in our house. It's a little heavy, but it's okay. It needs to be that way sometimes. And I believe God is going to let us realize the res- not just the responsibility, but the privilege we have that we, and, and you said, well, Pastor, it, it seems to be too late, and it's never too late as long as you're taking in oxygen. And we may have to go to our kids and grandkids and those others we influence, hey, I haven't been the best example for you, but I'm telling you now, if you help me, God's going to help me, and I'm going to do it from now on. And we're going to serve Jesus in this house. Let me give you four secrets to raising godly children from God's word. The first secret is this. You've got to show them unconditional love. Unconditional love is the love that God has for each one of us. Unconditional love is not based on merit whether we are good or whether we are bad. Now, that's hard for many of us to accept. It especially depends on your background. But God loves you on your best day, and God loves you on your worst day. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As a matter of fact, it said God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. So God loves you. Now, please understand, unconditional love doesn't mean unconditional blessings. God can't bless us when we're not living for him, but it doesn't change the fact that he loves us. Well, does does God love the people that go to hell? Yeah, that was his choosing. They're choosing, not God's choosing. He plans for every one of us to go to heaven. God loves you. And as a parent, as an adult, As a team, you have to understand God loves me. And what that does when you realize how much God loves you, you're able to love him back. See, that's what's needed. 
Not a list of rules, not a list of of things I can't do and things I can do. You just got to fall in love with Jesus. When you fall in love with Jesus, you want to do what pleases him. You got to understand God loves me. And then when you realize how much God loves you, you're able to fall in love with him back. And then you're able to say, God, if this don't please you, I don't want it. If this does, I do want it. And when it comes to your kids, you've got to give them the security of unconditional love. Now, baby, I can't bless you if you're not acting right, but it never changes the fact that I love you. I love you because you are mine. You belong to me. Now, me and you may have some problems when you get crooked. I mean, there's some things that got to be worked out, and you can't live in my house acting a fool. But it don't stop me from loving you. I will always love you. Don't never let that be a question. The prodigal son to me is the great example of parenting. And hopefully some of us don't experience what he experienced. But if you know the story, he had two sons and one of them said, Hey, Pop, I want my inheritance up front. And basically what he was saying in that culture is, Dad, hey, I just want what you got for me. You're as good as dead to me. Give me what I have now, and I'm going to leave. Sure enough, it happened that way. The father gave, he divided his inheritance to his two sons, and the, and the prodigal son left is what they would call the prodigal. The Bible titles him as a prodigal son. And he lives the way he wants, so, so different from the way he was raised, really just in his father's face, and, and, and all the father invested in him. He threw away to do what he wanted, not living for God. And the Bible says that one day when he found himself in need, and, and sin will leave you wanting, right? It seems like that sin will fulfill everything you need until you give it everything you got, and you realize you don't have nothing. And he realized, I can go back to my, mom, my, my father's house. At least I have food to eat. And he went back humble and repentant. That, that's, that's key. He went back humble and repentant. And the Bible says that in Luke 15, 20, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. When he threw his arms around this boy of his, this boy of his had been in the pig pens, feeding pigs. He had mud and slop and who tell, no telling what, he stank. But this father ran to him and embraced him. That is what your father God does for you. When we blow it, when we mess up, when we sin... He doesn't say, "Uh uh-huh, I told you that. I told you, you got what you got coming. Don't Don't even come here. No, your Father God runs to you and embraces you and loves on you in your filth. Now, he loves you too much to let you stay there, right? And that's what we have to, the love that we have, that's the love that we should have for our children. Unconditional. The baby, we gotta work some things out, but please understand, I love you. I love you because you belong to me. Unconditional love. There's security in that. You should 
say, I love you, and I love you often. I love you because you are mine. I love you when you're good. I love you when you're bad. I may not be able to bless you, but I will always love you. Nothing will change that. Nick, growing up, using again, we only had one, so we are at a little bit of a disadvantage. And he was an easy child to raise. raise. But there was one thing about Nick. He was such a picky eater. And if it wasn't for chicken nuggets at Wendy's, he would have starved to death. I mean, the chicken nugget at Wendy's had the exact right look and the exact right texture. Because it had to be that way. Because if it didn't look exactly like that chicken nugget, he wouldn't eat it. And if it didn't have the exact right texture, he would, I mean, he would gag before it hit his mouth. Now, I made him try everything. I think you should do that. You don't know what you like until you try it. And me and him had some showdowns over eating. Yeah, you're going to try this. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, <laughs> I wanted to teach him that uh, I, I love you, but, but you know, uh, you've got to be good, too, for the blessings. And I would tell him, I said, now, let me, let me tell you something. Once I got him the chicken nuggets, I said, now, let me tell you something. If you weren't a good boy, you know what you would be eating? This. But you a good boy, I'm going to get you these chicken nuggets. <laughs> There's some things you got to work out sometimes. But I love you now. But I can't bless wrong behavior. So let's, let's, oh, let me finish. Let me give you this verse. I got so stuck up on my story with Nick. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, I want you to hear this, Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers. Somebody needs to receive this today. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Lord just showed me that as I was reading, neither height nor depth. I never stopped to really think about that much. I think about Distance. The Lord just let me know when I was reading that, that somebody's distant from God, and you don't feel like you can come back. But if the Lord stopped this preacher to show him something that was not in his notes, you better listen today. You are not too far to come back to him. Would you bow your head just for a moment? The Lord, I pray that realization would come to them. They have not gone too far, neither height nor depth. You love them today, and if they'll come back to you like that prodigal son, you're going to wrap your arms of love around them today. Lord, help them to do that. They need help. In Jesus' name, amen. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now my eyes have got all watery. Let's talk about when we got to address the wrong. God loves us even when he judges us. God loves us when he convicts us. If God convicts you and punishes you, you better be thankful because the Bible says he judges those he loves or he punishes those he loves. So let's deal with it. When the, when we, we've got to address wrong behavior. Secret number two, you've got to teach them with discipline. Teach them with discipline. Our key text said that we got to train up a child in the way they should go. Now, how many of you, as soon as I said discipline, you thought whooping? 
Raise your hand. I mean, we didn't get whippings in my house. We got whoopings. There's a difference. Time out for us was when mama knocked us on the floor. We had to get back up again. <laughs> and, and discipline, you do have to address wrong behavior, but discipline is, hear me, it's training. Discipline is teaching. It is acknowledging the good and dealing with the bad. Discipline is intentional. It's one of the greatest ways you can show your love to your children. Me and Patty as youth pastors, we've seen it many times in the past where a child would be given things, but they would not feel loved by their mom or their dad. And they would actually call us on the phone to tell us what they were fixing to do bad so we can tell them, no, you're not. You will not do that. I know where you are. And they, what they wanted to do is hear somebody that will love them enough to tell them right from wrong. And it's scriptural. Look at what the Bible says. Whoever spoils, excuse me, spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now, somebody's, some mom has said, well, wait a minute, a rod? There is a correct place to spank a child, and it is the cushion of the, of the extremities. There's some cushion right there. And your child needs to understand that pain is associated with wrong behavior. It is definitely okay to spank your child. You should do it in the appropriate way. But I'll be the first to say sometimes spanking is, is way too easy for them. It's like spank me and let's move on. So there's other ways sometimes you have to show them there's pain involved when you do wrong. Pain is, a, every teenager right now is mad at me and ready to leave. Sometimes spanking is the easy thing. Just, but one time Nick was getting a bunch of red lights at school because he just wouldn't shut his little mouth. And we put him in timeout. We spanked. He kept coming home. He thought he had to talk to everybody in the, in the classroom. And so he came home with another red light, and I said, okay, if spanking ain't going to work, and I got a garbage bag. As a matter of fact, I think I got two garbage bags, and I took him to his room, and I handed him the garbage bags, and he was little. And I said, I want you to see all these toys. You pack them all up. Put them in them garbage bags. And he, <laughs> little Tigger, he had to go in the garbage bag. Little Tigger was going to smother to death in the plastic bag. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't talk about the Tigger smothering, but he had to pack it all up. And I told him, you look around. You ain't got nothing. A bed and a floor. We can't bless you when you do wrong. But can I tell you, you can earn all of these things back by quit getting them red lights. And for some reason, that putting Tigger in the garbage bag worked. He quit getting them little red lights. It got through to him. Now, we probably scarred him for the rest of his life, but <laughs> he's afraid of garbage bags today. <laughs> you got to know that there's some pain involved when you disobey. 
And when we disobey the Lord, there's some grieving. The Bible says we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. There's some pain associated. If they don't feel a little pain now, hear me. If they don't feel a little pain now for wrong behavior, they're going to feel a lot of pain later on. They're going to feel it in their marriage. They're going to feel it on the job. They're going to feel it. It's going to be a lot worse now. And God trusts us to be able to give them a little pain now to help them. Look at what it says. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Let me give you seven discipline do's and don'ts, okay? Seven things to do when you've got to correct wrong behavior. Now, again, it's not just about correcting wrong behavior. You've got to acknowledge good behavior. I mean, you, you show them the good way. You train them. You celebrate good times. I mean, you sh- be sure you acknowledge what they do right. But when it comes to wrong behavior, please do not not discipline. Does that, does that come across right? Okay, so here we go. Don't discipline when angry. Send them to the room so you can, the color can come back to your face. Calm down. Don't discipline when you're angry, though. Do attach a godly principle. Hear me, this is life-changing when it comes to shaping your kids. Attach a godly principle. Not a time to preach a message, no. But just say, as an example, disrespect. When your child disrespects you, you can say, now, honey, let me tell you, you're not going to be able to disrespect me because the Bible says that we're to honor me and your mother. It says, honor your mother and your father, your father and your mother, as the Lord has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land your Lord God has given you. So if you want God's blessing on your life, you cannot honor, dishonor us. And when you dishonor us, you're dishonoring God. You teach them why they cannot do that, and you're teaching them God's way at the same time. So attach a godly principle. Don't be divided. Number three, don't be divided. Be a united front. They will play you. So you just have to, both of you have to say, hey, what what, what did your dad say? Hey, what did your mama say already? Because I know you're not asked them. And moms, I know, I understand you're you're at home with the child more and you may have to discipline more. But please don't tell them all the time, wait till your dad gets home. And he's going to get you good. Because what that does to that child, that makes them never look forward to dad getting home. It is okay, I think, to say, hey, when your dad gets home, me and him are going to talk about it, and we're going to take care of it. Now sit there and eat this bowl of onions till he gets home. (laughs) Be united. Me and, me and Patty used to tell Nick all the time, we a team. We work together. Do make sure the punishment fits the crime. I really had to have help on that because I can go overboard real fast. Patty would just touch me on the leg. Hey, don't fail to teach them repentance. This is another life-changing thing when it comes to discipline. Teach them repentance. Take it as a moment to teach repentance. So when they do something wrong, and after the punishment, you let them know, now you dishonored God, and God is not pleased with that, and I want you to go repent. 
ask the Lord to forgive you. And when you ask the Lord to forgive you, he will. And then when they come back, when Nick would come back and say, did you ask the Lord to forgive you? He said, yes, I did. I asked him one time, how do you know God forgives you? He said, he forgives me every time, Daddy. You know why he said that? Because I told him that. God forgives you every time you ask, son. And then I would make him ask me. You need to ask me to forgive you too. Dad, would you forgive me? Yes, I do, son. I'll always forgive you. And then do end with love, okay? During those times, end with love. End with a hug. End with a, um, I love you. I, and speak hope over his life. Speak purpose over his life. Always end with that love. Number seven is so important, y'all. Don't be inconsistent. If it's wrong today, it's got to be wrong tomorrow. Now, I'm convinced that a lot of parents, the reason why they don't discipline their children correctly is because they're lazy. Discipline is work. Please do not sit in that recliner and count to 59 when you done told them not to do that many times. You got to get up and take care of business. Now, this is going to help you. We determined a long time ago, before we even really had kids, that we're not going to be embarrassed to take our children anywhere we go. That we're going we're gonna to be mindful of others, and we're going to mind. Patty's doing a, she did a great job raising Nick. She's doing a pitiful job with our dog. <laughs> we're not supposed to give the dog from our plate. And she will sneak at things, and then it will come back on other times, and she say, no, you can't have that. The dog don't even try with me at all. It knows. It ain't getting nothing off my plate. <laughs> Number three, you got to give them value, okay? The, fourth, the third secret, you got to give them value. Hear me, please. A child who does not know their value will be vulnerable. And what do I mean by value? Their value is who they are in Christ. Now, who they are to your family also, that's important. But who they are in Christ. Your kids need to hear you speak over them verses like this. Son, let me just tell you, this is what God says about you. I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And God created you. You are wonderful. God didn't create no junk, baby. He don't do that. He created you with purpose and destiny. And God's got great plans for your life. You live for him, you're going to be amazed. They need to hear you say those kind of things. Teach them who they are in Christ and all that God has for them. They need to hear you speak positive over them. Baby, if anybody can do it, you can do it. With you and God, it's a majority. Everybody else better move out of the way. They need to hear you speak positive things. Now, this is hard for some of us because it wouldn't spoken over us. But God will help you to be intentional and speak that over your children. You'll watch them bloom and become all that God has them to be. Speak value, how much God values them, how much you value them. Luke, two, Luke 12 says this, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies yet? Not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, 
The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Let them know how much you value them. We tell Nick all the time, baby, let me tell you, other than Jesus, me and your mama are your biggest cheerleaders. Man, we are rooting for you. We are here for you. You got this. Your kids need to hear that. And some of you as an adult, you need to hear that also. And I believe God is going to speak that into your life. Would you stand, please? i give you the last one. So important, the fourth secret is this. You've got to provide them an example to follow. Cheer alert. I think the first service, this is the one that really got me. I'm going to try to get through this. They will follow your example whether you want them to or not. Not just your children, other people that are looking up to you. Don't tell them to do what you're not doing. My dad used to say all the time, do as I say do, don't do as I do. And that does not work. I did what he did. You and I have a great opportunity to influence our children, other people's children for Christ. And I believe we're going to be responsible, held accountable for it. So let me just ask us this question as we're fixing to pray. Is the way you're living right now the way you want your children, your grandchildren to live? Is the way I'm living right now for God the way I want my son to live for God. There's one verse in the Bible that should sum up our purpose as godly parents. This is our motto, whether we're realizing it or not, whether we're intentional about it or not. This is what we're saying with our life, whether we know it or not. And it's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul is saying this, if you just do what I do, you're going to be okay. And we're saying that with our life whether we're intentional about it, whether we know it or not. We're saying, follow my example, because they are. And you can see how wicked it can be, how, how messed up it can be for somebody to say, I am a Christian in a church. I am a Christian to others, but at the house, they are everything but, and their children are watching them. And the example that they're setting is the example that their kids see of who Jesus is. But what a privilege we have to say, if we take it, our responsibility serious, that we devote our life to Christ, and we say with intent, 
You can follow me. Am I perfect? No. But I'm going to show you even when I'm not how to repent. Follow me. And we're going to get to Jesus. Will you bow your head, please? And Lord, I'm believing you're speaking to hearts right now. I'm going to ask every parent to make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Lord, help me to live more for you. Help me to understand my responsibility. With your grandkids, come on, grandparents. Lord, help me. Help me to do a better job. Help me to understand those little eyes are watching me. Lord, for those kids that I influence elsewhere, they're watching me wherever I am. Lord, help me to live a life pleasing to them. Let me understand I have a great responsibility, but it's also a great privilege that I can show them the way to Jesus with my life. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. That we can be the ones to lead our kids and our grandkids to you. What a privilege. I want us to say a prayer. I call it a commitment prayer, but if you have sin in your life, this is where you begin. You repent. You ask the Lord to forgive you. And at this church, we pray it every Sunday. I'll give you the words to pray. You just got to give the Lord your heart. So as our heads are bowed, let's pray it together, church, and let's pray it out loud. If you're at home, you can pray it right where you are. The Lord is listening. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Lord, would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm going to do my best to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you get home today and you see you need to punish your children, leave my name out of it if you don't mind. <laughs> I don't want your children hating me. <laughs> Let's love on our kids. Hey, would you do me a favor when you... If you have children back in the nursery or in the children's church area, or even if you don't, but you know somebody that works with those kids, would you just tell them a big thank you? Would you just say, hey, thank you for helping me out with my kids? We have a great team of folks. They love on your, your babies and your kids. They do a great job. Just help me out and tell them thank you. Hey, I want to pray a blessing over you as you leave. The way we give here is you can do it online or through the Tithely app or our or app. Or you can give it in the black box back there as you leave. But I want to pray a blessing over you as you go. If you just want to receive this, just raise your hand straight up to heaven. Father, I thank you for blessing us. I pray you would bless us indeed. Give us more than we need so we can be a blessing. Enlarge our territory. Help us to be mission-minded and not maintenance-minded. Fill us with your presence. Holy Spirit, we need you. And protect us from the enemy, from his schemes, from sickness, from COVID. And Lord, help us to be uh, full of you, living for you, proclaiming you. And you did it for Jabez. We believe you'll do it for us. Would you say it with me in Jesus' name? Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a good Sunday.